Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're here with us. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Meals with Jesus. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking through the Gospel of Luke. And I've told you from Luke. Where did that come from? <laughs> the Gospel of Luke. That's in that New Bible translation. <laughs> ah. Luke, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is pretty much either on his way to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. And uh, Luke records that as being a very central part to Jesus' mission and ministry. And, and I think it's important for us to look at. So much happens around a meal. There's so much relationship that takes place. Um, it was really sort of a very central part of life. Back then, this, this gathering around for a meal... Um, you know, some of you experienced that, um, you know, probably in your lives, and m- maybe you were good at hanging to that, but culture changed somewhat, and I don't think we, we sort of do meals the way we used to uh, at homes, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of other things now sort of getting in the way with t- TV and time and phones and stuff happening. Uh, so, um, you know, when you think about meals, think about that this was a really a huge part of life, and the idea that that Jesus, you know, fully God, fully man, would have a meal with anyone is significant. I've said it all along. They're an, they're, they're an amazing picture of the grace of God. And we've already seen throughout this series that, that Jesus will sit at a table and have a meal with, with anyone in the spectrum from, you know, the, those considered the worst of the worst of the time, the tax collectors, all the way through the self-righteous Pharisees who we've been looking at lately. And uh, I said, you know, before, just so you kind of remember this, before Jesus ever picked up the cross, he picked up a fork and things started changing. So we just say that so you kind of remember what's going on. Last week we we were looking at a meal, actually the last couple of weeks, that Jesus is having with a group of Pharisees and um, it's, it's kind of an intense meal. And so we've been looking at different things, and I want to look at it. It sort of rolls into the next chapter, and I want to take a look at uh, or next part of the chapter, what was going on again at the very end of what we were talking about last week, and, and uh, sort of spring forward with that. I think it's pretty important. But last week, as we were looking uh, at our meal, we talked about apathy, and we explained what that. Do you, do you know the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know, and I don't care. Okay. I had uh, Pastor Billy preach for me a few weeks ago. He told, a cho- he told this joke about a pirate that was having a birthday. Do you remember? It was, it was really bad. I was watching it on the webcast, and the, the punchline was, I matey. I, I matey. I matey. You don't remember that one? Okay. I have a, my own pirate joke. Why are pirates, why are pirates so mean? They just are... Mine was better than his. Scripture reading here on purpose. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen 
and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, when you ordered, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, um, this week's passage of scripture is prompted by the end of our discussion last week, and I sort of want to read that to you just to refresh your memory, just the end of last week, which is chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So we looked at that last week, and I sort of went from there and talked about the law of reciprocity um, that that uh, that our culture sort of operates under, which is you know um, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And then I said, but as believers, we operate under the golden rule, which is I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated, and it doesn't really matter your response to me or what happens. That's between you and God. And we sort of went there in the discussion, but. Um, from that point, and when Jesus says that at the table, things sort of go in, a, in another direction here that I wanted to talk about today. So imagine now, um, remember, the Pharisees were all there vying for places of honor, um, and they didn't care about anybody else, and that's what's happening. And, and, um, and Jesus tells them, you know, really, you need to get out of this self-admiration thing, and you need to start doing what you were supposed to be doing all along is the representatives of God and making it possible for people to come to know God. And, and so when he challenges them with this whole process, I had this thought, and think about it, if you were actually at that meal, it probably got a little tense around the table. I would have this thought that, that this would have been not, you know, the way they were used to sort of having people treat them at this table. They were all being called on their stuff, and so it's pretty tense. And, and I think there's one of the guests at the table who's sort of trying to break the tension, because he's one of these guys, and he comments, he makes a comment on the great banquet, which was sort of a cliche at the time for uh, the expectation of these Pharisees that they were already, you know, all settled into the sort of big messianic banquet that was going to take place when the Messiah came back. And they were sort of, you know, confident in their own superiority that that was all about them. And that was the comment that he makes when he says in Luke 14, 15, one of, those, one of those at the table with him heard this. He said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So he's, he's sort of saying, yeah, but we're the ones that have invited to the big banquet. So we don't really care what you have to say in the process. And what Jesus says to him is, I always have this um, I have this thought in my head when those kind of things happen. Jesus goes, yeah, no. Uh, and he begins to explain what's going on because they're misinterpreting that, that whole sort of process of what this is all about. And so Jesus begins to teach in a parable about the great banquet. And so in verse 16, it says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Verse 17, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Now, to sort of understand what was taking place, in that time, 
when um, there was going to be a, a big event, a big banquet, um, there was sort of a, a two-component thing. Um, there would be the initial invitation sometime ahead. We would sort of equate this with like an RSVP sort of situation. And then um, there would be an actual summons to the meal when it was ready. So out in advance would have gone these invitations to come to this banquet. And then when everything was ready, with a sort of general idea of when this was going to take place, and then when everything was finally ready, because, you know, it was a big deal to get, you know, how many people are actually going to respond to the invitation, and then how much food are we going to make, because, you know, there would have to be the right number of animals selected and all that stuff. It was a big deal to make all that happen. And so when it was finally ready to happen, the, uh, the servants would go out, and they would tell everybody, hey, come on, it's ready now. Come to the banquet that we had invited, you'd been invited to sometime before and this is what taking place and so so jesus tells them this parable that we read earlier and just so you have an idea of the of the people that are involved in the parable the host of this great banquet is god the father Um, he's inviting israel he's invited israel to the messianic banquet in the kingdom of god and he's invited them all the rich and the socially elite um, are who rejected the last minute are the pharisees and the established religious community of the day. And they actually not only decide to not go to the banquet, they're going to kill the the one whose the banquet is being thrown for in honor of the banquet. You talk about an amazing thing. And and then the the poor and the downtrodden, that's the common people um, who the Pharisees wouldn't have anything to do with. They're the unclean. Um, Most likely those that are inside the town there are the the Jews that, that are not sort of at the Pharisees' level. And those in the outlying areas are the Gentiles. And so in this, in this parable that Jesus is telling them, there's been this ba- great banquet that people have been invited to, and those that have been invited have decided they're not going to go. And so the banquet is being opened up now to people that they don't think are even worthy of coming, but that's where things are going to happen. So that's, that's what's happened. And point number one, guess who's coming to dinner? Sidney Poitier, of course. Now, that's only works for people that are as old as me or older, probably. Maybe it doesn't work at all. I don't know. That's. <laughs> I think it's a little funny. Yeah, never mind. Old movie. Um, Hepburn and Tracy. And Sidney Poitier. This, um, so what we need to do, though, is we need to think about what Jesus has been doing. Now, I've told you, when Jesus is at these meals, and throughout Jesus' ministry, when you read about him in the gospel, what, what, I, what Jesus does is he, he goes out and he tells people, he announces that the kingdom of God is upon them, it's near, and, and then he teaches them about the kingdom, and then he'll demonstrate the kingdom, and then he invites people into the kingdom. And he's doing that with everybody that he meets, from, like I said, the tax collectors, consider the worst of the worst, the regular sinners, everybody else, and the Pharisees. He's even inviting the Pharisees Although they don't realize their desperate need for... They think they're all covered when in fact they're not. And, and, um, and so, but he's inviting them in. And he goes and hangs out with them on purpose. And so he's been inviting all, everyone into the kingdom, particularly the, 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 you know, the people of Israel. But their established religious community and all their leaders are just not responding um, to the invitation. And they're refusing to enter. And again, it's not because they don't think that there's something about Jesus. Because they do. Uh, they just don't like the package that he comes in because they don't see how they can sort of maintain their position and all the stuff that they have if they go the way that Jesus tells them to go because he's flipping everything around from where they're at. 
And so because they refuse, what Jesus is saying is that the, the gospel, in effect, the, the good news, the invitation is going to go to people they don't consider worthy and really, in effect, to people who are not worthy to go to the host table. The poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind, um, they're now the ones that are invited. And what you need to know in the story is that's, that's me and you. We get invited in at that point because the people of God have refused uh, at that time. The children of God refused the invitation. And so the gospel now comes to us. That's the point of this whole sort of picture of the banquet, what Jesus is explaining. We're the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame that God invites to the great banquet feast. And, and uh, we're unworthy, certainly, to eat at the host table, but we've been invited and cleansed, which is an amazing thing, prepared uh, in the process. And that's what Jesus is explaining. And that's how you understand verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, which is absolutely true, but it's not based on their works uh, and their rule following and all that other stuff. They were losing their invitation. What's true is, indeed, blessed are the people that get to eat in this feast, which is now that we're the ones that are invited to respond in Jesus. And so this is a picture of the mercy, uh, the amazing mercy of God who um, is making a way for people to have relationship with him. And yet what they come up with, point number two, are all these lame excuses for not doing and following the will of God. And, and uh, if you, you have to look at these excuses because they're fascinating. Now remember, they've all been invited to this banquet and have at some <clears throat> time expressed their intent to come. And now that it's ready, they're coming up with excuses why they don't want to come. They don't like... The, the package. They don't like the way Jesus came. So they make, and these are really bad excuses. You ever, you know, Jesus is, is um, um, these are kind of funny excuses. And so if you don't know that about Jesus, you, you kind of have to learn to enjoy some of the things that Jesus said. So these are the excuses Jesus is saying, the kind of excuses they make. Like, and, and he says, they all alike, in verse 18, began to make, also all of them made excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Now, the, the chances are that most people are not going to buy a field of any sort. This was an agricultural society. They were not going to buy a field sight unseen. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous excuse. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a ridiculous excuse. A farmer doesn't buy a field without seeing it first. So him saying, oh, I bought a field. Now I got to go see it is ridiculous. And in the same way, another one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. No way that, that someone in this point in time would have bought... That's a lot of oxen to buy, five yoke. Um, they would, no way they would have bought these sight unseen either. Um, it's, a, it's a poor excuse. It's a lame excuse. It's a not believable excuse for this process. And another one says, well, I just got married, so I can't come. And again, we know that marriages took a long time back then. If you had responded that you were coming to this banquet, you would have known that you would have had some competition with your marriage coming up, and you would have responded no. So, again, it's a ridiculous excuse. It, it doesn't make any sense. And that's the kind of excuses people are making in the process. So, so you can look um, and, and you could sort of go to yourself, mm, you know, tsk, tsk, tsk. These are ridiculous excuses. But, you know, what I was thinking of is that when we look at all these things are an opportunity for us to look at ourselves. That's what the word's supposed to do is, is you know, it's only effective when we use it on us. We're not even, it, that's what, what it's all about when we allow the Holy Spirit to look at us. Um, I think it's an opportunity for us to examine how often we come up with our own ridiculous excuses for not doing the next right thing. Do you ever stop and kind of ask? It, it's good to look at because you, you have to challenge yourself. 
And, and, you know, we're supposed to be living by doing the next right thing. When we don't, which we all do, we generally have rationalized why we're not doing it and we will make just as re- much a ridiculous excuse as any of these. And, and so it's a sort of, I think, a, an opportunity for us to look at that in our own lives. Um, remember, I've told you that when, we, when we're looking at the Pharisees, we have to make sure we don't just write them off as an evil group, even though their actions were evil, that they, their intent was good, and that mainly when we're looking at the Pharisees, we, we need to constantly challenge ourselves as a church not to become just like them, because we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to move away from the, the mercy and the grace of God into a set of rule following which allows us and causes us to judge people and miss the heart of God in what's happening. And so whenever we see the Pharisees being challenged, we need to challenge ourselves. Because, you know, the church starts and has good intent. I, I believe that fully. But we, it's easy for us to get sidetracked. And, and, and so we, we have to be constantly pressing into the Lord and, 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 you know, with the Word of God, using it like a two-edged sword, not just sort of seeing, you know, how, it, how we can judge everybody else by it, but just allowing the Spirit of God to use it to constantly keep us at this place where we understand our desperate need for God. Because the moment we begin to think we can do this without Him, we're done. And the moment we slip into a set of rules and being better than everybody else, we lose our impact in the world around us. And, and, with, and this is what happened those guys. They had no impact. Uh, and, and so Jesus was giving them a shot to change and make a difference. So, you know, I would just say challenge yourself. I, I've been doing this all week. Challenge yourself on, on not... We're in those spots where you know you're not doing the next right thing. And don't get all, you know, don't go to shame and all beat up and everything. We go to God and ask for forgiveness and we do it. But what are the excuses you're using that allow some of those things to happen and challenge them in yourself and quit using them? And then thirdly, the importance in this whole story is about sharing this invitation that's come to us. Verse uh, 21 and following. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry, ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Remember, that's the same group that had been in the end of last week's service that they told him to quit hanging, you know, start hanging out with these guys. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. There's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. It's a wonderful picture of this idea that um, God wants a, a full house of people who believe him. And that's what the process we're in now is, is that the invitation has gone past the initial group that have, you know, re- rejected it and it's come to us. The gospel has come to us. And, and so, so we're, we're the poor, you know, the, prime, the blind, the crippled, the lame, the poor. The gospel has come to us. And then what we have to understand is once we've accepted the invitation and we're in, that, that sort of what needs to happen then is, is we become like the servants that go to continue to invite people to this great banquet that we've been invited to. And, and so our hearts change. And, and we have to constantly realize that, that we're the ones who've been invited, who've accepted that invitation in Christ, and now what we're to do is to go out like these guys were and to let people know that there's an invitation for them too. Um, that, that this is the invitation that we have to give the lost and that this is the heart of the mission of the church. And, and so again, Jesus is challenging the people at the meal... Remember, his heart is for them to respond to him, the Pharisees. He's, he hasn't given up on them. They will ultimately give up on Jesus and, and crucify him and make all that happen. But he is constantly after them, trying to get them to realize what they're doing so that they'll, they'll come into a spot where they can be in real, right relationship with God and, and then do what they were called to do initially. And so as the church, we need to make sure that 
that's constantly what we're looking at. Is our heart, you know, always for the grace and mercy of God and moving towards the lost? Um, do we desire that, that they would come too? How can we live in such a way that we help people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus? And, and we do that just by living among people and loving them well and being as real as we possibly can and, and uh, looking for opportunities to demonstrate kindness. And then ultimately as people ask what's different, you know, telling them where we can about, about Jesus and what that looks like. And so, you know, we need to be aware of that and be careful that we don't fall into the traps of sort of becoming rule-focused and, you know, sort of inwardly focused. We're in and we're okay and everybody else there, you know, we don't care about when, when the opposite needs to be true. The, the heart of God is for people to come to fill His house and He wants us to go and remind them of the invitation uh, and, and let them know that they're invited that they've been, they've been called and invited to this amazing banquet that uh, takes place when Jesus comes back. So think about that. And, and if, you know, if you're looking for one thing, what one thing can I think about this week? I, challenge yourself. What maybe lame excuses are you making in your own life that keep you from doing the next right thing? I, I think it's just, uh, just a very healthy and helpful thing to do. And so think about that. And uh, that's good for today. If you're watching my video, thank you so much. We appreciate you doing that. Uh, come and join us when you can. If you need prayer, go to the website. There is a prayer page on it. And uh, we would be happy to pray for you. We will see you soon.